Hi, Craig. Welcome. Hi, You're late. Craig. Craig, fashionably and drunkenly late as usual. Because I was about to say, hey, we're going to record this for future usage, and we will post a live version of this. And then I'm like, oh, wait, I forgot to add the bots that do that. <laughs> Oops. So what would this be? This would be 8.5? 8, 8. Something like that. Yeah, 8.5. 3DM. 3DM's live. All right, so uh, people in the text chat slash the 3DM's questions chat on our server can ask away. And people... Hold on, guys. I just realized we've been quite rude. We want to take a moment to thank Sean, our amazing host, and the person who's been manning tablecon all day, and who will continue to do so all weekend. Hooray! You have, a, you have a job we do not envy, yet we are very, happy. <laughs> you are very powerful, and we're very happy to be here. Yeah, tomorrow is going to be the best day. I will be uh, live streaming for 17 hours straight, so... <laughs> and I'm sleeping for 17 hours straight, so... <laughs> I wish. God, I wish that were me. As our guest of honor, you're more than welcome to chime in with some questions, with some answers of your own, as well as being very kind and pulling questions from the live stream chat. Sounds good. And that being said, if anyone has any questions whatsoever on the live stream, just type it in there and I will make sure to either ask it to them or answer it, as well as if you say it in eTableCon, just tag me in it so I can see the notification. Woo! Wilco? So, uh, um, okay. I'm going to also everyone, because I'm, I'm glad the text chat's as active as it is. Everyone, please at uh, me, probably I'll take the brunt of it. Um, if you have a question, that's not just, you know, that's not just continuing the conversation in text chat. I'm cool with the conversation in text chat. But if you have a question, question in text chat, just just ping me. Thanks. So uh, getting started with some questions in the 3DM's uh, channel, because, yeah. Uh, our friend Amelia, uh, the bitch who will take your knees, as they are known on Discord, asks, um, oh no, asks, what is the weirdest one-shot you've ever ran? <laughs> oh god. Do, do we have to talk about the airship again? I, we gotta talk about the airship again. <laughs> this is like one of my favorite games that I've ever played. Of course we have to talk about the airship again. Oh man, Lance is the only one who was unaware of what happened, and that's a little bit of a problem because since it was not recorded and just for fun, I stole Lance's boy. Ah, <laughs> uh, huh. I don't know what's happening most of the time, so you guys go ahead. Uh, Spy, you want to take it? I've done a lot of our intro talk. Oh man, how do I even begin to describe? the airship one shot that i mean you're the one who ran it this this wasn't this wasn't me who ran it um long story short b uh ran a one shot for the Frostwalkers crew and a couple of guests including myself and uh our our buddy nick who is with us today uh in muted in voice chat um and it was a big old fuster cluck it was excellent it was fucking amazing. Um, and the the worst part about it was that we didn't fucking record it. Which I yep. I will never not be upset about. It was very good. 
it was just probably the best session that I've ever played, honestly. The now, plot was pretty straightforward, is the thing. Yeah, I mean, we were hired to go steal an airship, which turned out to be a spaceship, uh, specifically uh, the spaceship that features in the 20-Sided Adventures Space Days campaign. Apologies to Lance for that. Oh, Miss Lily. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> we so, stole it back, to be fair. Someone else had stolen it, and we stole it back. Yeah. Again, I know nothing. Um, so yeah, that was the favorite, that, that was probably, B, would you say that's, that's the weirdest one shot that you've run? I, I think between Bob get the shotgun, the aliens are taking the chickens again, between, uh, sorry, the wood elf monk slash bard in our, in the Frostwalkers piloting the damn spaceship, um, between a tabaxi, sorry, hanging upside down from a rafter to shoot at robots. I'd say it was pretty damn weird. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Mama, also, come get my shotgun. The aliens are after the chickens again. I can't even do that voice as well as you, so I did not bother to. <laughs> I, I, just knew, I just knew you would. I'm very thankful that you did. Um, And I will say, I think the best joke, however was just the existence of Timmy Alice Periwinkle. <laughs> oh, Timmy as a whole is a fantastic character. Thank you, Nick, for, for being Timmy Alice. They are a gnome with fucking max strength. They are the god of this world, and I fear them. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, the weirdest one shot that I personally have run is probably... Um, I mean, I gotta say... The the wild sheep chase module that I ran for my IRL friends here at university was pretty fucking weird, um, which I've mentioned several times before. Um, this uh, it was just so bizarre. Highlight, of course, was the um, actually one of the other weird one shots that I ran for my IRL friends was the one shot that I actually. Uh, created for Waystone, which is the RPG system that I made f- pretty much from scratch for my Arcane Punk World Sphera. Um, still, it's it's on an archive shelf right now, but I'll come back around to it. Um, and that was that included a uh, a Gorgon who worked as a quote contractor unquote, which translated to probably some sort of gladiator, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> that is what it guys i've had a real bad day i stabbed my wife at the office i got it she took the kids in the divorce somebody ripped my chainmail tie it's just been a day Why do you, where do you work i'm a contractor <laughs> good shit good shit lance oh god um Probably the weirdest one shot that I've ever run was it was for Halloween and it was uh, an at table session, which is rare these days. And uh, everybody was in a zombie apocalypse world. But my friends did not do well. Like they couldn't go through a window to save their life. And then they ended up just like 
hoarding themselves in a Costco for pretty much the entire campaign before I told them to get out of my house. So (laughs) that was probably the weirdest one because they wanted a Halloween one shot and I wasn't prepared. So I just pulled a lot of stuff like out of my butt. The only cool, the coolest thing I had was a warning siren at the very beginning of the campaign, letting everybody know that there was a zombie apocalypse. That was pretty much the weirdest one I've, I've done. Powerful. Oh, man. Next question. Yeah. Do we have one from the Twitch? Yeah, we actually just got one. I was just about to um, interrupt, but I was telling Emily about the the hoarding in Costco because she always jokes about doing that during a zombie apocalypse. (laughs) Good. Yeah, but... um, uh, Shamador15 asks, what type of games do you like running for players? Examples, fantasy, sci-fi, horror, etc. Sci-fi. Sci-fi, sci-fi, sci-fi. Sci-fi. <laughs> I am a massive sci-fi buff to the point where even if I try to run a fantasy game or make something fantasy, it will inevitably lean towards, if not completely turn into sci-fi. Um, and there is a actually I've been working lately on uh, setting up a what started as a one shot idea and has evolved into a campaign idea for the hyperlanes system, which is if for those of you who don't know, uh, hyperlanes is a system adapted from D&D fifth edition for science fiction. So it does away, reworks the magic system and classes so that it's more like super science oriented. Um, and it, it's really, really cool. Uh, you can get the PDF online through Scrivened Publications. Um, so yeah, I, I have been, I'm very much a sci-fi buff. <laughs> awesome. Uh, you give me any sort of game and I will just combine all of it. Uh, that's really? actually kind of what 20SA is. It's kind of a, I, I was really excited to do a space theme because that way I could have all sorts of worlds that these people go to. But normally I will do, um, <clears throat> normally I'll do fantasy. That's usually the the main go-to, but I will, I've been getting kind of dabbling in horror, which has been really fun. And so I'm thinking about throwing some more horror campaigns out there, but mostly fantasy, but jack of all trades, master of none. I'm going to piggyback off Lance's answer and just say fantasy is the one that comes like easiest and most groups when they play like D&D are expecting. But I, I like want to try different things and I've had ideas for different things. So who knows what the future holds for this intrepid dungeon master. Eyes emoji. Who knows? Lies in the evils of the hearts of men. The shadow knows. That's a David ass reference from my dad. Anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, thanks for that question, well, by the way, Twitch. That was, that was a good question. Yeah. I don't think we've actually explicitly discussed that on the podcast before. Yeah, what our, like, what our favorites are. Our affinities. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, let's he ended up saying that uh, the combining it all sounds super fun. He said, now you're speaking my language. <laughs> yeah, Lance, look at hit, that. Hit me up, dude. We'll, we'll throw one shot out there that's going to like blow your freaking mind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Oh man. I mean, um, that's kind of what that, that's kind of what Lance. That's what um, twenty SA is. Uh, that's what Space Days is. It's it's arcane punk sci-fi sort of like. Yeah, with it's a it's got a lot of lore that deals with old fantasy, but it's set in a kind of steampunk, arcane punk, apocalyptic sci-fi world, which is super fun. It's it, really really cool. It is very much its own identity, and I I gotta love it for it. Yeah, actually, part of what I've been doing for um, part of what I've been doing for Orion's Echo, which is the Hyperlanes campaign I want to run, is looking at uh, looking at like the Forgotten Realms, like races and and their lore and such, and basically reinventing them in a sci-fi context. So like um, the a bunch of the humanoid races, you know, orcs and elves and tieflings and all that are actually post-humans. They're descendants of the human species that have been genetically modified for specific environments, um, or like the goblins are an alien species with four arms for twice the mischief of course um, <laughs> and my one of my favorite little in jokes that i've made so far is that the hobgoblins are just goblins from the planet hob like that's that's the whole the whole lore is just that yeah they're goblins they're genetically modified because they're from the planet hob that that's the, that's why they're called hobgoblins <laughs> that's great <laughs> oh man i love that um, let's see. While we're at this, I will. Oh, right, my little addenda. If you're with me, you're doing some planescaping, boys. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do. I love. I love planescape stuff. I love the multiverse. I love. I love different worlds. I especially love some of the work done by D and D's card game sibling, Magic the Gathering, if you will. Thanks, Wizards of the Coast, for developing both those. Um, so yeah, all the amazing articles, the plane shift articles, they're some of my favorite things to pour over for new ideas. I, I fucking love, I fucking love that shit. That, that, that's my agenda. Anyway, next question. Let's see here. Well, um, hmm, <laughs> hmm, how Livy asks, how do you remember any NPC voice? Oh man. That's an interesting question. We've talked about NPC voices a lot on this show. Why are you laughing so ominously, Lance? Because he doesn't okay. remember them. Oh no, I do. It's just it, it's one of those things that I only have like three NPC voices. And if I try to make up a new one. I will write down in my notes really badly what I think they sound like. And usually that's after I've already had a couple shots. So, you know, coming back the next session and they're talking to this NPC that is a big part of the story right now. I'm just like, how did they sound? Oh, okay. Uh, surfer English. Dog oh, that's water. an interesting combo. Yeah, no, it's, it's, <laughs> It's fun. I don't know if I get them right. Heading all, 10, but... my dudes. <laughs> Let's drop in on a grommet. <laughs> uh, 
yeah, I have I have a wider array of voices that I can do, but it's still fairly limited. And I definitely don't use like my different accents as much as I kind of want to slash should for NPCs. Um, but in any case, usually I don't have a whole lot of NPCs to begin with. Like the the puzzle dungeon that I've run for several different parties now has like one NPC interaction because it's a it's a puzzle dungeon. You just you just gotta solve the puzzles and get to the end. And battle for them is full of vodka. Well, that's that's not a universal constant here. That that was on you. <laughs> <laughs> I am very powerful. One of them drink. One party drinks the water. One party bottle flips their thermos full of vodka and dabs. The other party fucking eats an, a whole ass bugbear at the final boss. It's D and D's like a box of chocolates. <laughs> yeah, D and D is like a box of chocolates. You never know what your players are gonna fucking shove in your face. <laughs> I like that. Um. Yeah, so I I mean I've demoed some some of my character voices on the show before like uh I can do I can do various incarnations of English or British uh I can do Scottish not especially well but I can um I can do a bit of southern Belfast Irish um and of course I can do Australians in my blood um I can do Slavic. Uh, that's kind of where my range... I mean, I can do New York if I really want to. Um, <laughs> how do that you is remember actually, them? Uh, how do I remember them for the NPCs? Uh, I just sort of like... Uh, I haven't had the problem of not remembering it, mainly because I just don't have that many NPCs. <laughs> Um, it's, I have that problem. It's, well, yeah, because you you make a lot of NPCs. <laughs> I do, and I'm proud of it. Kindle <laughs> has a lot of characters, and God Almighty is keeping track of them a fun time. I will say, <laughs> I will say, I do. I have, I get on myself when I double up a voice, and the worst case of that for me was Caleb and Jitter. But I will let you finish because I've realized I've taken up. Sorry. That's all right. Um, the problem for me is matching the exact pitch and cadence of the voice. Uh, so, like, for example, in my other, my non-game, my scripted podcast, uh, Starhopper Radio, I voice an AI uh, called Homer, and he sounds a bit like this, um, but the voice is pitched down a bit, and I don't actually remember exactly how down-pitched it is, so recreating his voice in later episodes is going to be a bit of a challenge. Good um, luck. <laughs> yeah, thanks for that. So yeah, it's it's less of remembering remembering the voice. Like, I can remember what they sound like. I'm, usually I have, like, recordings that I can play back. It's just actually getting to replicate that several times in a row is can be challenging yep yeah my worst case is calem and jitter because calem kind of talks a bit like this and then i played jitter on stream and jitter talked a bit like this and then they were going to be in the same room together oh fuck <laughs> you've made a mistake i have 
So then Jitter started talking a bit more like this and having a bit more pep in his step. And I think it made the differentiation a bit easier for folks, you know? I still love the the headcanon that Jitter is voiced by um, Ian McEwan. Oh, absolutely. Star Tripper. Yes, that is my... Uh, thank you for introducing me to Star Tripper, by the way. You are more than welcome. It is probably one of, if not my favorite, podcasts. It is it is the only thing that gives me serotonin anymore, I swear to God. <laughs> uh, we've harped on this question way longer than we should have. <laughs> no, oh, uh, let's see. We have a question from Twitch chat uh, from Ooh. Curious Little Fox. Hi, Foxy. Um, that asks any pacing tips. Ooh. Ooh, that's it's not that we don't it's not that we don't know how to pace. It's just like articulating that is hard. It's it's just something you feel like if you. Yeah, you really just have to practice. Honestly, you have to just. um, uh, You just have to figure out like how it feels and if it when when it feels right to move on to something else, you know, or when, when it feels right to introduce a new element. Um, and that's something that we've actually been dealing with a little bit in our uh, off-the-grid sort of parallel, not exactly a game, but it has Monster of the Week elements to it, um, text-based play-by-posts almost. Um, and it's just pacing is it can be really really hard to get right, especially in combat. Like if you're narratively describing combat, it can be really hard to both be accurate to like realistic combat timing and narratively have good pacing. So it's finding that balance. And also, it's also gonna go ahead, B. I was gonna say your players are gonna dictate a lot of it. Yeah, that's yeah, what I was going to say, too. Sure. A lot of it has to do with your players, because I know there have been some episodes of 20SA where I had a lot planned for pacing-wise, but the players just weren't feeling it, so they they spent an hour and a half in the bath. Like, we didn't get anywhere. So you really just have to to go with your gut, really, when it comes to pacing. Yeah, and if you're not recording, it's a bit of an easier feat, you know, because there's less of an expectation of where you are starting such where you got to be um, per week. But so at your home games, um, it's less of an issue, though it is an issue, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I will say I will say it's more of an issue when you have a recording schedule and, like, so many episodes you intended before you finish something, you know? So yeah, that's that's our answer. Is your players will your players will power that for you. You do not have a choice. <laughs> yeah, you'll know when they want to move on, oh, yeah, right. or when they want to spend three days in a shop. It's you know, it's up in the air. It's just a it's a more of a gut feeling sort of thing. You just have to sort of you have to use the force. The gods of improv will guide your way. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. And also, sometimes something you intend to take 10 seconds takes 30 minutes. Case in point, some of these questions. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, um, man. Let's see. Other questions. Livy's asked a whole bunch of them. Thank you so much, Livy. Yeah. Um, 
What's your favorite monster that you've had your players fight? We've gone over this in um, in past episodes more than once, I think, but um, I haven't really yeah. had many monsters. I haven't really had my players fight many monsters, so I only have the one, just the time moth, the temporal moth. Which can... The temporal moth is so cool, though. Yeah, I, I um, homebrewed a homebrew thing, uh, which is basically a giant moth that serves... It's a not exactly a manifestation. Of, yeah, it's part of my puzzle dungeon. It was the final boss of the puzzle dungeon, so spoilers if you guys ever play that. Um, at the end, there is a tree sacred to the god of time, um, Skoros, which is basically Mothman. And, um... Mothman. Yeah. Yeah. I said Mothman. Got a 12-foot wingspan. I said Mothman. Yeah. Scared some kids in a van on their way to meet some family. <laughs> I won't go into the whole song. I, I have a whole song. Anyway, um, so it is a giant moth that is, like, this these dark grays and blacks with red, like, patterns and red eyes. Uh, and it has some ability to manipulate time. So it can like it can freeze time and move. It's sort of like a a, a blink ability almost. Um like the asteroid it, hoppers. Like the asteroid hoppers. Uh shout out to the Tales of the Void Fair again. Um and its ability, which it can use once per day, but can be broken because well, you'll see, is that it can create a temporal facsimile where it literally calls another version of itself from a different timeline to assist it in combat um which can make combat a mess if you don't dispatch it very quickly um so yeah that's that's the temporal moth um and i'm still fairly proud of of how i how i built that one uh i think i i built it off of a another homebrew creation that i found on the DD homebrew wiki that was a flame moth i think i don't remember exactly what it was Lance, you got a cool monster you want to shout out? Uh, I think the coolest monster that I did is actually not even a monster. It's uh, the AI Rosie. Yes! In the, uh, yes! the Halloween episode of 20SA, the group gets stranded on a, a abandoned space station that's caused them their ship to malfunction and has locked them there and is causing all sorts of like hallucinations and monsters and creepy dolls and tapping into their inner worst fears. And it turns out to be a corrupt AI that uh, has taken control over the entire space station. And her name is Rosie. And it's kind of fun because I got to incorporate a bunch of like sci-fi aspects to it there was a really cool ai fight where actually the main cast's ai got corrupted by her for a brief time which was fun and you say fun i say that was fucking terrifying (laughs) but it got to kind of incorporate the entire ship too and gave them a a time limit and had them do not just fighting but had to give them a choice of whether they wanted to use what they had to try and save this AI or destroy it. So I think that was probably my most fun monster. That was that's a really good one. Man, um I ran a whole campaign and and I'm trying to think. Uh, I mm, 
I like want to pick something more recent, but oh man, yeah, no, I'm gonna talk about Aster. Uh, my favorite fight that we've had was during a live show we did for uh, the for the Small Terrible and a Dragonborn charity stream, where their enemy was this fallen Asimar, uh druid slash uh, rogue named Aster. He had uh, some previous history with the party's rogue, part of their old crew, and fell away. He became abandoned and everything, you know? After living off the land for so long, he grew attached to, the, to nature and became part druid. But it's implied that he's been there since the first episode in hiding. And because of that, he was affected by the first, like, threat, which was the ice curse that was basically freezing people in place and killing them. So this antagonist, who the party wants to save, it's Andre's old friend, has a time limit. And the more they use magic, the more they exert themselves, and the more this curse takes hold of them. And it grants them temporary, like, benefit, but long-term pain, you know? So it became this interesting thing where it could have just been this fight between Rogue and Rogue that, you know, that, you know, has the stat block and was over. But there was this emotional weight to it where they wanted to save Aster. So they were, like, trying to dissuade him from using his more powerful attacks, but that made him want to do them more, you know? And eventually he turned into this, like, arctic wolf form doing a, during a corrupt wild shape. It was, it was really fun. Because the curse impacted his wild shape ability, too, and it turned it into just from a swordman to swordman to this giant monster that the whole party had to help take down. It was fun. It was a really cool session. The emotions were high. Rev as Andre did masterfully in making me cry about the old times that the characters had, even though they didn't, you know, though they'd never been seen in the show before. <laughs> just, ugh. Oh, Aster became an NPC in the show after that event, even though it didn't get recorded and put up, just because of how much we fucking loved that boy after he was saved. Because the party did save him. Very happy. So yeah, Aster's probably my favorite monster slash fight we've had. Any uh, next question? I think we've covered it, yeah. Sweet. Um, Let's see here. If we don't get any questions, I'm going to start telling jokes and nobody wants that. No. <laughs> no, we've still, got, we've still got plenty of questions. A lot of questions about NPCs. Which is yeah, gonna, great, because I don't have many NPCs, so I can just sit here and chill out. Uh, I, do have, I do have one from Shamador15 through the Twitch, thank you again, Sean, who asked, uh, what are some of your inspirations? And I know oh, we've talked about boy. this before, but, but we if you could... want to give like your, your top three inspirations, that'd be cool. But yeah, I think we might have to say that one for last, because holy shit, we could talk about that for ages. You got a point. Um, let's see, if we just do the top three, you know, yeah, we could. Do I that can't pick that. top three, dude. Okay, well, we'll give you time <laughs> to think about it. Yeah, um, I think we are going to have to save that one for last because it's a really good question. Yeah, but well, that we... is going to take a long ass time to to unpack. <laughs> yeah, let's see. Um, Pluto at Pluto Akin asks. Or Pluto akin? I can't tell. When creating campaigns and or one... Oh, that's the same question. Damn it. Um, uh, Brave Singer asks, are there any DMing tips or tricks you wish you had known when you started your campaign? Oh, man. 
I think mine is chill out. <laughs> You're gonna have a half page of notes one day, and it'll be a good day when you do. Yeah. Yeah. When I started out, I was starting out writing, like, story form for my campaigns. And now I get, like, maybe four bulletin points. Like... You, you know, the, your players are going to derail no matter what you do, no matter like, and that's the fun of it, honestly, because that's when they come up with something that you would not expect them to do. I know my cast has done that a lot and I'm super proud of them for that. But um, yeah, you just, you can't take it too seriously and burnout is real. Like oh, you, yeah. if you need a break. You talk to your players, you take a break because you want a story that they're going to enjoy. And you can't do that if you're not enjoying yourself as well. So, yeah. Um, another thing that I've recently talked with uh, the uh, Table Tale chapter on, of World Anvil, um, I personally have been in, in constructing the Orion's Echo campaign and, and going back and re examining. Uh, the uh, Death and All His Friends campaign that I was going to run for the escape artists, um, I've been really worried because um, my I'm I'm incredibly ADD and my world building process is cyclical, which is why I have like fucking uh, eight worlds, entirely separate worlds. Um, so I cycle through them pretty regularly and i'm worried about uh, my ability to basically um consistently create fun engaging and like narratively sound sessions for my players um which is pretty much the biggest roadblock i've had in running a full campaign because i've never actually run a full campaign before i've only run one shots because one shots are easy. They're a self-contained module to take one or two sessions and uh, you're done. Um, whereas a, a full-on campaign can last, you know, years. Um, and I, it's just it concerns me that I m might not be able to keep keep focused on that world for long enough to have a meaningful arc, at least. Um, and what the rest of the the group have mentioned is. Um, you can rely on your players for the inspiration to stay focused on that world. Because if you set it up as like an open world, your players will go and do things that make you really think consistently. Um, and you'll be able to, um, you'll be able to create more in response to them rather than just making things for them. That makes sense. Yeah. So I figured I should, uh, I should Pluto discuss has, that on, on oh, air. <laughs> yeah, totally. Pluto has thrown in a question, and I will say, let me answer first. Oh, I think I did answer. The trick was chill out. Uh, Lance, did you have your own? Or did, I whoa, know whoa, whoa, whoa. did you have your own tip besides chill out? Oh, yeah, no, I already went on my rampage, dude. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, Pluto asks, for new DMs such as themselves, would it be better to script a campaign or, in their own words, just heckin' wing it? You're okay, gonna so end up doing the latter anyways. You really are. 
Pluto, all you want to do is like just have the baseline of what you want, like you what you want your players to do. Add in some like towns and what you plan for those towns to be. Do bullet points, do main advantages of those bullet points because they're just going to take you in a whole different direction. Take it from someone who scripted their campaign. Don't script your campaign. Yeah. Uh, I will say your players are going to come up with probably more amazing things than you will on your own. So let it happen. Mm-hmm. I will also say, though, if you're playing a home game, that's like doubly true. Like if you're playing a home game, your players are going to have way like you're going to get to talk about it outside of game and it'll just be canon. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm hmm. Just all the great things about D&D that we have denied ourselves the luxury of, you know. <laughs> uh, we have some but... pretty good questions on our 3DMs. Livy asks, when DMing for a podcast, how do you keep your cool and stay chill? Alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean... Fair, but also, you're the only one on this show who's old enough to drink. I'm so old. <laughs> legally. Legally. Um, not that I would if I could. I literally cannot stand the taste of alcohol, but that's neither here nor there. Um, honestly, just... I guess just keep in mind that you're, you're on air. Um, it's I will say it's entertaining when players and or DMs lose their shit on air because that in turn makes listeners lose their shit Um, but in general just like being conscious of the fact that you are uh, that you are on recording um, should should chill you out and you know you know uh, Make sure that your players understand the etiquette, as it were, of recording a podcast. Yeah. And also, like, <clears throat> frankly, if when that doesn't help, go go the opposite route. Think to yourself, like, yeah, it's recorded, but I'm still having fun with my friends. And that might keep you in your zone a bit more if the other mm-hmm. way isn't helping. It, it, it depends on if you want to get more close-knit or if you want to wide back. It depends on what your emotions are feeling at the moment, you know? Mm-hmm. Because both of them are true. Isn't that great? Yeah. This is great. Because both um, of them are just true. And true, but still. Um, baby, where where are you exactly? Whoa, stop, 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 You're stop. gonna wanna mute yourself, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. <laughs> that was unexpected. Whoops. Whoops. Um, uh oh. Oh, right, no. let's, uh... <laughs> let's see. Let's do another question. Yeah. Uh, we actually have two related questions. Um, let's see. Uh, on on Twitch, uh, Foxy asked, "How much do you edit your podcasts?" And in our uh, questions channel uh, a little ways back, um, Amelia asked, what's your favorite thing that you've added in the editing process? 
like sound effects and whatever. So, um, well, I, I, I guess I could start. I, for the escape artists, I am still not through the editing process for session zero. Um, because I do pretty extensive editing. I like to remove all the extraneous background noises and the ums and uhs because I have a problem with those um, and basically just make it sound both more natural, less awkward, and um, also just sound good. So there's no like awkward pauses or people talking over each other. Um, and as for favorite things that I've added in the background, uh, so far I've only added music to the escape artists, which the auto-duck feature is a fucking lifesaver for, by the way. But um, uh, our player, Jason, actually, uh, he is uh, really good at guitar and piano, so he's written and made a couple of songs that are really, really good and fit the mood of both the intro and outro um, monologues that I'd, sp I'd spun up um and they they just they line up really well so i i stuck those in um and i won't even go off into a tangent for starhopper because that's a scripted show and it's all about sound effects so fair yeah <laughs> lance you got you got a favorite uh so it takes me a about I've gotten a lot faster at doing it. It'll take me about eight hours to edit an episode uh, from start to finish now, which is really nice. It used to take me almost an entire week because I didn't know what I was doing. But I do love entry. Like I love putting in sound effects. Like that's super fun. And then our uh, audio mancer. Uh, Zach Shepard, he makes incredible music. And so just being able to put that in, he made a 16 minute long soundtrack just for one battle scene. And he incorporated our theme song into it. And so like being able to just go and just listen and then put it in there and then listen it to it like the story. I think that has to be my favorite thing because it kind of really brings it to life. Love you. Oh, yeah. And for me, it takes me about a couple days to do an episode, probably, between life and everything else, you know? And I have to, I'll usually look through copyright-free music um, and credit the artists in the show notes, and that's awesome. Um, I will say one of my favorite songs we've incorporated in that regard was uh, definitely Melody of My Dreams, which became the character of Anna's kind of theme during arc three and came back in the finale and ugh, and also the song we use at the start of the epilogue during our our little setup between our setup conversation between our tiefling boy and his starry friend and oh that that rustic charm <laughs> sound effects wise it was absolutely um there was a moment where our ghostly buddy Ambrose just said something utterly stupid. And you could hear his uh, aetheral friend, Finley, just lose her cool and her whole shit over him starting to make dog barking noises while possessing her sleigh. And That was good. And uh, I added just a little sound of like glass breaking. And I played it, to, I played it as a joke. I sometimes just add little joke edits that don't make it to post. 
and I sent it to Finley's player saying, look, it's the sound of Finley's, uh, Finley's sanity shattering in half. And Kat goes, keep it, keep it, keep it, keep it. And I kept it. <laughs> so in that episode, you can hear a little glass shatter sound right as Finley's about to speak. And that is the sound of Finley's mental state shattering in half. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, it, man, it is already 8.02. I do not think we're going to be able to get to all of these questions. But I do want to address the question of uh, that Amelia asked, which is, what is a part of your world that you created, but your players never explored? And my answer is, all of it. <laughs> <laughs> Mood? Yeah. Uh, I would have to say that the one place that the players really haven't gotten to explore yet, which I'm really excited for, is outside of Thibis, like outside of the rings of Thibis and mm-hmm. outside of the inner inner cities, because all they really know mm-hmm. is just they've got out there once, but they haven't gotten to explore actually what makes Thibis as a whole instead of this this like little corner of the planet that a civilization. Yeah, so, that's exciting. Yeah, heck yeah. Uh, Old Town Ruins for me. They've been in places of it, but only in episode two did they ever, like, wander the streets of it. So, yeah. Old Town Ruins would be my place. Uh, it's like a, it's like a city of the dead, and it's a real fun locale, but who knows? Maybe I may touch on it in the future. Um, uh, how much time do we have left, uh, Sean? Um, we have 27 minutes for the uh, eTableCons uh, live stream of this. Sweet. Okay. I guess, so we have a bit more time than we thought. So we could probably get to a few more very yeah, quickly. A couple more, probably. Uh, whatever yeah. we don't get to, I'll pin in the, um, the channel here. Totally. Um, um, I do definitely want to get to the inspiration, because we've actually had several people asking what we look for an inspiration um, oh yeah i so. definitely want to get to that too so maybe at like the 7 15 mark we'll shift gears we'll to it do maybe right like here. two more questions and then end it with the inspiration yeah that, that sounds good yeah so keep throwing your questions in if you if you want uh we'll if we don't make it to it we'll pin it and you'll it'll be in one of our recorded episodes mm-hmm. um let's see i'm i want to try and give a little preference to our you know uh, give a little bit of preference to our buddies who, and the Twitch chat because you know. But I think we, I think we hit all of them for now, yep. which is good. Um, mm-hmm. let's see. A uh, bunch of questions about NPCs. So. Yeah, we kind of want to. Oh, here's one. Uh, Avon, who plays in the Space Days campaign, uh, Hi, Avon asks, "How do you keep yourself from following certain PCs or even?" favorite you don't you're all my favorite yeah just basically just just fall in love with all of them you inevitably will um unless you have a jerk who's playing in your campaign in which case i feel sorry for you and i hope they leave as soon as possible um but yeah um actually one of our listeners in the chat has basically said my answer which is just be a fan of all the pcs um because they're all important to the story Totally. 
it's not just the one protagonist. You have a whole group of protagonists who are who are helping you write this story, um, which actually is kind of what happened with the original plan for the escape artist, because it was just going to be the two players and then a couple of people who would show up from time to time and like play minor roles. But um, two of the two of the the, the two other um, people, the two minor quote minor roles ended up becoming way more important to the story and just I fell in love with them uh, so now we have four prospective players instead of just the two um, yeah. and all of them have great backstories that will play into the, the campaign once I get around to it <laughs> I think having particular plot threads that are character specific is not the same as the campaign being character specific right so like it's to, so if your worry is like I've created this this character who has a very close knit relationship with one of the PCs but not the others as long as the other PCs have things to do that's okay the whole of the story is about all of them but giving them individual pieces to play with is not the same thing I don't think yeah yeah yup uh let's see um. We gotta scroll up for these. Yeah. Um, let's People, see. Man, I'm actually like a little happy that we managed to do that. Um, have you ever had a throwaway NPC? Uh, Amelia asks, "Have you ever had a throwaway NPC that your players got way too attached to?" If yes, who is the NPC? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it was Cito. Really? Cito is not supposed to be a huge part of this. Uh this campaign and yeah no that just went off the rails way too fast he is now like they would kill for that ai and he was not supposed to be that way they have killed for that ai haven't they they have, they have killed for that ai so he was just supposed to be this like side character that if you had a question you could come to him and, yeah, no. and now he's no. like a main character in the story. Yeah, now well. he's the main character in the story. <laughs> and he's changed the plot dramatically. So... Um, <laughs> I can't speak for my players, but uh, since I don't actually have any for Orion's Echo yet, but in writing the teaser prologue for Orion's Echo... Um, it's told through the captain captain's logs of one uh, commander, Akair Vyth, who is a big, big old orc tiefling, just an absolute brick shit house of a man. Um, and in writing these, I accidentally fell in love with his character, and he was initially supposed to just die, and the logs were all that was left of his existence. But I'm like. No, no, this guy is too cool. I need to make him an NPC that the characters will meet eventually. Totally. Um, so he is he is inevitably going to show up. Um, <laughs> God, I'm just so excited for Orion's Echo. <laughs> and <laughs> a similar thing happened with um, Dr. Thadwood in... Um, the Death and All His Friends campaign. He was just... He was actually just a throwaway... Uh, for the the test session, and then I brought him back, and when I was planning the session one, and he ended up being basically almost like the party's handler uh, for the organization organization that they ended up working with. Um, and of course, 
Dr. Thadwood, Dr. Thadwood is an anagram of Todd Howard. Um, <laughs> the hidden Todds. Yeah, which I've I've mentioned the hidden Todds before, but I I have a list of like seven anagram names uh, that are all anagrams of Todd Howard that I will be throwing in throughout the campaign as the hidden Todds, and I've been challenging my players to find the hidden Todds. <laughs> We, we got a last-minute submission from the Twitch, so Ooh. I will very quickly say my two are Lothar and uh, Gale. Lothar was Wraith. We're supposed oh. to be their friend in, in episode two alone. But then got a party hat, and everyone loved him. And uh, and then Gale was a Arctic elf of Ariel, who was just supposed to be like the Watchmen of the Hearth, which is this town they, vi they went to. And then Livy surprises me out of nowhere with Sari being all blushy and giggly around this character. And I'm just like, I did not see that coming. Okay. Uh, and so then Gail just got pulled into the finale as like the one Sari kept pining over. And it, it eventually worked out for, for dear Sari. And now I have to think about Gail as a character and his tool set and everything. So yeah. Um, all right, yeah, so we've got a couple minutes to talk about this uh, last-minute question from the Twitch chat uh, by PotatoSpuddy33, um, who asks, when deciding the fate of some characters, do you feel bad for that character, like whether they are worthy of keeping in your lore or story or not? Um, and I can't... I, I mean, I assume that came from me talking about uh, Commander Vyth, and yeah, I felt I felt bad for him, because like... Well, he loses his mind pretty much. He loses his memory. Um, so part of the campaign, I guess, would be getting them back. Um, and I, that's that's all I can really say because I haven't gotten to that sort of stage in a campaign yet. But uh, uh, you two boys, take it away. You first, Lance. Uh, most definitely. Um... It's like we were saying before, you you grow attached to these characters over time, and especially ones that are a part of the story or a part of like the main part of the story, and you you know that to move the story on, something has to happen to them. It's it's hard. You sit like I've, I've sat there just staring at the screen, going, "Do I really want to do this? Is there any way around this?" But you know, to move the story on, sometimes you have to do it, and yeah, you feel bad, but yeah, no, you just, you feel bad, no matter what. You just feel horrible. <laughs> you will feel bad. That's why alcohol do, helps. Do I, <laughs> do I talk about Anna now? Because I feel like I talk about Anna now. Yeah, you talk about Anna now. Yeah, you talk about her now. Anna was the dead love interest of our prince boy, Calum who then managed to work the fabric of time and space to, in the astral plane, come up with a way to come back as a lich, but also bypassing the evil parts of lichdom, which is because of the Balnorn lich, which is an early, like, 3.5 thing. And so Anna, as a spirit, for a whole, like, leg of the campaign, is guiding the party to these, like, things that'll help her resurrection ritual work. And... That came because Anna was just going to be part of Caleb's story, but I loved the character so much, and everyone else loved the character so much, just from our 
you know, what was this character like that I was like, yep, I'm working in a whole plot line. I'm changing an entire course of an arc to bring Anna back and bring her to this party. And it became this very, very nice and emotional story. So I love that a lot. Do we want to do our, our grand finale? I think we do. Um, I think we are finally getting to... Um, we are getting to uh, Pluto and uh, Shamador 15's questions of uh, what are some of your, your what are some of your inspirations for games uh, when creating campaigns or one shots? What things have you taken inspiration from? Um, which is hard to cram into even 15 minutes, but um, I I I just fucking love space, my dude. <laughs> um, but it, it, any number of things, really. Um, when I was actually, when I was starting up The Escape Artists, I was mostly inspired by The Adventure Zone. Of course, who isn't, right? Um, but I also was looking at a, an exported map from Space Engine that I I'd generated and and was looking at in a, a paint program and I'm like, wow, this looks like a fantasy world. And then uh, the old gears started turning. I'm like, oh, God damn it. Now it is a fantasy world and I have to do something with it. Um, <laughs> or uh, in the case of, well, in the case of um, Waystone, the uh, system that I built for Sphera, um, I can't remember exactly why, but I'd I'd been thinking about like, oh, I want to do uh, a, an RPG system for Sphera for a quite a long time, probably at least a year before that point in October, um, and I just wasn't sure how to go about it. Um, and part of the reason why I initially started thinking about it, well, part of the reason is um, I took a lot of stuff from D and D and sort of stuffed it in Sphera and gave it its own justifications and quirks and stuff so that it isn't directly ripping off of D&D, obviously. Uh, but another part of it was about this time last year was when the Swordsfall Kickstarter was was really taken off. Yeah. Uh, and for those of you who aren't aware, Swordsfall is a super fucking awesome Afropunk um, world and RPG system and basically a multimedia experience um by uh brandon dixon and it is just it is so fucking cool if you guys are interested please check it out i believe the twitter account for swordsfall is at swordsfall one um so make sure you go check that out um fucking love that but i was like i was so inspired it's like wow this is so cool i wish i could do something like this and then come october uh at like two in the morning on a Tuesday, uh, started writing down just some ideas for how to set up the system. Because the major hurdle that I'd been facing was um, how magic works in the Spheroverse. Because it's not at all like your run-of-the-mill magic system. It is, it is justified with quantum physics, and therefore it works very differently to your regular magic. Right I heard Lance sigh, and I just felt the misfits like re return in my in my brain. <laughs> <laughs> Don't talk about the misfits. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so I I spent about two straight weeks just grinding out this this RPG system for Sphera, 
Um, so yeah, the the leading inspiration for that was both D and D and Swords Fall. Um, and real quick, as for uh, as far as Orion's Echo goes, um, I fell in. I I'd wanted to do stuff like D and D in space since hearing both um, 20SA and Tales of the Voidfarer, which is another kick-ass uh, podcast that is Spelljammer-based. And we um, had them and I, on. And we had Nick on last episode. Super cool. Thanks again, Nick. Um, but I'd been wanting to do D&D in space, and I was thinking about ideas for how to do that. And then my friend showed me the hyperlane system, and I'm like, whoa, that's so cool. I got to do something with this. Um, and from there, it, it just like built up and up and up. Um, and I can't really pin down a direct influence for Orion's Echo, but definitely there's like, there's, there's a lot of 20 SA, there's a lot of Space Days DNA in there. There's some Spelljammer, Voidfarer DNA in there. Um, and there's also a bit of Cosmic Horror DNA in there, um, which I won't say much on here because my players are going to have to find that out from themselves, but suffice to say I'm very excited. And I took out I took up most of that time. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Uh, I will be brief and short and my top three uh, inspirations that I took for Space Days that were a huge inspiration for it were all media based, uh, Harlock, Space Captain, Treasure Planet, and Final Fantasy. Nice. So all those together, and you got 20 essay. Those were my kind of inspirations. Awesome. Nice. I have a funny story with this where I will say I take inspiration. I can't say I have a main one for the Frostwalkers because mine is way more like, oh, that looks cool, I'm using it. And, ooh, that sounds cool, I'm taking that, you know? Um, yeah. So, a lot of things from a lot of places, I can't even really pin down one. I will say, listening to other D&D has inspired and improved my D&D a lot more. A lot. Like, mm -hmm. I'm constantly learning from other people. That's totally not why I started this show. <laughs> <laughs> um, just leech ideas no it's not that at all um but like other people other dms have been almost more of an inspiration to me than other media so like taz 20a anything and everything you know just i just i devour all of it find cool things i'm like can i work this in but uh i will admit two of my bosses have been based on designs from kingdom hearts so i guess we have that <laughs> Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I, I did forget to mention um, uh, a good chunk of my inspiration for Adrian, the world of Death and All His Friends, um, is, was uh, actually the world of Nern and Tamriel in The Elder Scrolls, uh, because I fucking, I just, I fucking love it. I am a huge Elder Scrolls nerd. And I think actually a little bit of the bones of... Um, a little bit of the bones of Orion's Echo are inspired by Michael Kirkbride's writings for like Coda and Kinmune. I wanted to do something a little bit like that too. Which, for those of you who aren't aware, um, Coda is Michael Kirkbride was a writer for Elder Scrolls uh, three and four, and he writes a lot of stuff that is now para canon since he no longer works with Bethesda. 
on the Elder Scrolls, but he knows most he knows more of the lore than other fan writers would. Um, and he's written stuff like Coda, which is set in the fifth era in the future, or Kinmun, which is from the perspective of the ninth era. And it's just very interesting to see that fantasy world that we all think of as like, oh, that's archetypical fantasy in the context of, well, no, this is like now space fantasy, almost sci-fi. So yeah, basically just look at things that you love. My, my, my advice, which I've said before, is look at some things that you love and think about how they would fit together, almost like a puzzle piece, but world building. And just see what you can do with it. Just throw spaghetti at the wall until it sticks, you know? Hell yeah. Your players are going to be your biggest inspirations, I will say, though. Oh, yeah, for definitely. sure. Absolutely. Sometimes, sometimes you'll be laughing after a game and someone says something and you're just like, write that down, write that down. <laughs> <laughs> the whole time. scene my, Heinemans. My players come to me all the time <laughs> and give me, like, thoughts about you know what's gonna happen and i there have been times where i'm just like huh that is so much better than what i had planned <laughs> like <laughs> my or my favorite my favorite thought experiment in that vein is imagine if your campaign were a tv show what would you entitling for podcasts has helped me a lot with that with that thought experiment is like if your campaign was a tv show what would your episode synopsis for that session have looked like you know what i mean it's a it's a weird thought experiment, but what would be like the bumper text when someone like flips through the channel and sees it? You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. it's a weird thought experiment, but it helps you remind yourself of things your players have done. And sometimes that makes you go like, oh, well, now I have an arc now because I've been noticing this trend with this player character about like their constant focus on maybe family. So maybe I should try and incorporate that into their into their conflicts, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh, um oh wow someone last second grabbed a question from the twitch chat do you, you oh wanna... we have six minutes left any thoughts if starting with a D, D is a good idea or rather start with a later edition like 4e or 5e i have only ever played 5e so i really cannot say yeah i will say though <laughs> go ahead play what vibes with you i'll just say play what vibes with you and that that's it Honestly, be a slut with your uh, systems. Just play play a bunch of systems and see what you like best. That's that's the best advice that I can give you. Uh, this is these, I haven't I've literally never even played Hyperlanes, and I'm already thinking up a campaign for it. So it's 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 less about you know it's it's not about experiences. It's just about having fun, you know. Totally. I started with 3.5 and I went to 5. Personally, I like 5e best. Um, it's easier to manage. But that's my own that's opinion. Fair. You just got to yeah, you just got to play until you find what you like. Yeah, find your find yourself. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Yeah. And yes, older D&D groups will be harder to find schedules for and harder to find players for, admittedly. But I think I think that just means that if you find a group of people to play older editions with, they're going to be way more devoted to it than you'd think because it's they may be harder to find. So, I, I that'd be my answer. Find what yeah. you like. Good answer. Find yourself in in the industry. <laughs> Travel come, the multiverse and find. You yourself. come to the 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 three gurus on the mountain on the fucking peak of uh. 
Mount Everest to ask what the meaning of life is, and all we say is find yourself. <laughs> find it for yourself. Man. All right. Um, there are a couple of questions that we didn't get to that are pinned in our questions channel in the server, so we will get to that, and we'll use those for episode nine. Um, thank you guys yeah. all so much uh, for showing up. Like, holy shit, there are a yeah. lot of people in voice chat right now. Yeah. I would like to take a few minutes of everyone's time, if possible. Oh, oh, the oh. exciting part. Yes. Yes. Uh, just to wrap yes. things up, uh, it is May. So that means it is also Min-Max Mankind. What is Min-Max Mankind? It is a charity drive that is done by our big brother podcast, Lawful Stupid. This is their third annual one. It is, they're a great, great podcast, by the way. They're on campaign two. You need to go listen. Love you, boys. But um, what they do is throughout the month of May, every time they have an episode released, they will roll a D20. And that roll represents the dollar amount that they will donate. Plus they donate 10% of what they make from their patron. Uh, in May, it always goes to Child's Play Charity. And Child's Play Charity is, uh, they, they provide games and entertainment to improve the lives of sick children that are in extended stays or prolonged visits in hospitals. And they do this awesome thing called MinMax Mankind where you, uh, as a podcast or a group or whatever, can roll a D20 and do the same thing and donate to a charity of your choice. Or you can just donate at uh, minmaxmankind.org. And you go to the boys' uh, forms and you tell them that you, you donated and you helped out. And if you donated more than $10, you are instantly entered into a raffle to win some really cool prizes. There's a lot of art commissions. There's, um, let's see, there's the legendary bundle on D&D Beyond that's over $600 value. <laughs> there's some custom made potion bottle holders there's dice there's uh just there's there's so much stuff like uh devin went on instagram today and did like a 17 minute video just listing some of the prizes and it is super cool uh you can go to m-i-n-m-a-x-m-a-n-k-i-n-d uh dot org to donate and it's it's for a super good cause and so i actually kind of want to call out a couple of uh, podcasts to do this uh oh. at their their choosing i'm going to call out halfway to heroes and i'm also going to uh call out uh i forgot who else i was going to call out B, I'm going to call you out. Oh, shit. Okay. <clears throat> so I call out the Frostwalkers. And, yeah, um, we'll, we'll do it. Yeah. So if you guys can donate or share or even just go and find the hashtag and spam everywhere with it, uh, that's a huge help for them and for kids who need some fun in their life. Yeah, absolutely. So Lance. I heard you yes. brought a D20 to the recording session tonight. I did. So, like to, so yeah. yeah, to start this off, I am going to be rolling a D20 to donate to Min Max Mankind. And, and that'll be on behalf of 
the 3DM session tonight. And I guess and that down, kind of is a sturdy 17, my boys. All right. Cool. So $17 will be going to Midmax Mankind and Child's Play for the Waffle Stupid Cherry Contest. Awesome. Other than that, I don't have anything else to say. Uh, All right. We were asked we to should... plug our pluggables before we run. Yep, we should plug our shit and get out. And cut and run, yeah. Yep. Um, Alrighty. Uh, this has been 3DMs. Uh, you can find us on the Frostwalkers podcast stream for now. We're looking into getting a separate stream. Um, gotta set that up soon. We're working on it. <laughs> we're working on it. Finals is next week, so I... I have not been working on it as much. <laughs> oh yeah, valid as hell. Um, but yeah, you can find us on the Frostwalker stream every now and again. Um, our first eight episodes are already up on there. Just go dig through the Frostwalker stream and look for them. Um, don't tr- don't listen to episode one. It's it's a yeah. mess. <laughs> it's a mess. Don't just start at episode um, two. Start at episode two. That's where we have Janet from World Anvil. It's super fun. Um, you can find me personally, Spyglass, at Spyglass Realms on basically any social media. Um, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Twitch, um, several other places I'm definitely forgetting. Um, yeah, the, my most active location is Instagram, so just find me at Spyglass Realms. B? Oh, or Lance? <laughs> Uh, so yeah, you can find us on any listening platform for our podcast and, uh, for Twitter, Instagram, we are at 20 S a podcast. We also have a email at 20 sided adventures at gmail.com. So if you have any questions or uh, have any adverts that you want us to plug in the middle of our show, go ahead and just shoot those over to me. Uh, Yeah. Nice. Uh, for myself, if you're on the server in the call, that means you've already done half your life work. Uh, you can find the Frostwalkers anywhere we do podcasts. Also YouTube. Um, we have an email, frostwalkerspodcast at gmail.com, and our social media is basically the same, Frostwalkers Podcast on Instagram. Uh, it's at Podcast Frost on Twitter, because Twitter does weird things with your ads sometimes. Um, and that, that, and also our server, which links will be in all the places if you're listening to this uh, recordedly. Um, gosh, it's been a blast. Thank you, everyone, so much. Yeah, this has been super fun. Thank you, everyone. And yeah. same deal with Lance. If you email me your like podcast uh, bumper, I will try and fit it in in the editing. We're about to start right. our second. Ca- we're about to start our second campaign, DM'd by our buddy Livy, who was avid in call tonight. So yeah. Come join us up for a whole new story. And one last super special thank you to uh, Zyphian, aka Sean, for hosting eTableCon. Holy shit, I was not expecting this last week, but this <laughs> was really, really fun. Thank you so much for hosting us. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, I enjoyed it. It was actually it was really fun to sit and listen to all y'all's experiences and everything. Yeah. Maybe that maybe we hope gave you a time you should come on our. Sh- hmm? Yeah, I was gonna say hopefully we gave your uh, your words a break. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, maybe. actually, a lot. It was <laughs> nice to mute my mic and you no know, step away for a second or two. 
Yeah, hell yeah. If if sometime you ever want to come on and answer some questions with us, you are more than welcome. All right, we'll do. I'll keep that in mind. All right. Also, uh, if you all don't mind, if I plug myself real quick, anyone oh, that's oh, listening, uh, if y'all go to eTableCon anytime this weekend, uh, y'all more than welcome to either host your own uh, DM like games or join other games from other DMs. Yeah. So it's gonna. It should be a great weekend, everybody. Thank you all so much for coming, and thank you eTableCon for hosting us. It's been a blast. Yeah, y'all too. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. Stay moist. No!